Welcome in to another episode of the Destination Devi College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Paul, joined by my co-host as always, Derek. Do apologize for the raspy voice. My throat's feeling a little bit under the weather, so I do apologize for that. But we are back to talk some Week 3 recap. Derek, this wasn't the most exciting in terms of matchups, but man, we did have some pretty close competitive games that I did not see coming. Yeah, we didn't have any like um, ranked opponents playing each other this week, but you know, there was like you said, a couple games. Bama was close. The Kansas State Missouri game was close. I mean, for through and through, it was a, a good good college weekend in my opinion. But kind of surprisingly, I thought this weekend was going to be a dud. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I know we did our preview on the Gridiron Fantasy Show this past week, and it's basically what we said. We weren't too excited in terms of matchups, but. It came out all right, especially heading into conference play for most of the real big boy conferences, <clears throat> not the SEC, and their eight-game conference schedule. But we'll go ahead and kick it off. Uh, we had Thursday night football, or Friday night, I forget which one at this point, but it was good old Bethune-Cookman at Miami, Florida. Of course, nothing exciting here. Miami blew, blew them out like you would expect. But Tyler Van Dyke, boy, did he show up for a second week in a row. Yeah, I might be on the Tyler Van Dyke hype train at this point again. Uh, it, it was a Thursday night game, Thursday, September 14th, uh, 19 for 23. So, you know, right around 80% completion percentage, 247 yards, two touchdowns, and another, another no-pick week. So, it's extremely effective, not turning the ball over. Uh, I'm excited for TVD once again. We'll see how long it lasts this year. Yeah, so far so good for him. Looked very impressive against a formidable formidable opponent in the SEC's Texas A&M last weekend. So he, he just might be on the right track. Might be seeing a little reincarnation of what we saw from his freshman year that got us all so excited for. I know yeah, I'm getting excited. I'm excited for him as well. He had a better week last week against Texas A&M. I mean, trying not to beat a dead horse, saying Jimbo does the least with most, but uh, he did have five touchdowns last week, so a little bit of a setback against, you know, a true powerhouse Bethune-Cookman. But, uh, yeah, he, he he impressed me, certainly. You know, close to 252 touchdowns, no no picks, uh, and extremely efficient, man. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I am as well. He's... Slowly creeping up my Devi rankings, just slowly but surely, because as we've seen with him before, he can fall off the wagon in a hurry. But hopefully that doesn't happen for him this season. And we'll move on to their arch rivals, the good old Florida State Seminoles. Now, this was a ball game. They almost lost it at the end, except for a Boston College face mask. Basically gave the game away. BC had him stopped on third and five to bring up fourth down to get the ball back with over a minute left with one timeout, I believe, left. And they got a face mask on that play, and that was it. So unfortunate for them. Yeah, another four downs to, you know, dwindle the clock down. Uh, 31-29 was a lot closer than than I thought it was going to be. I know that I think we both had bets for uh, Florida State to cover, and I know the spread wasn't two points. It was like 21, so. Uh, but great football game. Jordan Travis had himself a little bit of a game. He had uh, two passing touchdowns, over 200 yards, 75% completion percentage, 
And then a guy that we've kind of talked about a bit before, Trey Benson, had himself a little bit of a game, 14 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Nice to see him get incorporated with the in the offense, and it's not just the three-headed monster we expected between Keon Coleman and um, – shoot, who's the other one? Well, Jeff – Johnny Wilson. That's it. I was thinking Jeffy Wilson for some reason. Johnny Wilson, thank you. But speaking of Johnny Wilson, he had a game as well, four catches for over 100 yards. Though he didn't get a touchdown, so we'd like to see him get a touchdown. But four catch, 100 yards, that's explosive, over 20 yards a catch, over 25 yards a catch. And then uh, tight end, I feel like that we, we've talked about a little bit as well. Jaheim Bell had one of the two uh, touchdowns from Jordan Travis, five catches for 76 yards and 15 and a half per reception. So everyone had a pretty decent game except for Keon Coleman. He played yeah. the disappearing yank today. He had one carry for two yards, and that was it. No receptions. Uh, he, I guess, muffed a punt, if you want to call it that, sort of in the, like, I think seven, five minutes left in the four, something like that. But the ball hit his leg, and then he kindly helped the ball get out of bounds. But he was non-existent today, unfortunately. But that's what you're going to have with wide receivers up and down. They can't all be winners. We even saw it out of Marvin Harrison Jr. early in the season. He wasn't playing too great week one, but bounced back. Keon Coleman will be all right. I'm not worried about him. I'm still buying every share I possibly can for a good price. And uh, back to Jordan Travis a little bit. I saw during the game he is two touchdowns shy of break of tying the Florida State record for touchdowns responsible for. So here before too long, he'll be the leading touchdown man in the history of Florida State University, and that's one hell of an achievement, I'd say, with all the players they've gone through there, especially a quarterback. Yeah, you think of guys what like Jameis Winston, EJ Manuel, guys like that. I mean, that's that's a hell of a feat for sure. Did you say it was only two? Yeah, I think two to tie it. I think he's at 87 currently or 89 in one of those two numbers. I mean, so it would be almost safe to say that next week he'll at least tie it, if not break it. Uh, good for Jordan Travis. Um, you know, stuck around long enough Florida State. Obviously, it's paying off this year with the the weapons he has at his disposal. Uh, Florida State, honestly, is probably one of my championship favorites this year, even with the tough road test against Boston College. Yeah, but the key thing is they pulled out the W, and early in the season, that's all that matters. Pull out the W, improve next week, and get better. I, I honestly think it's a little bit better to have these tough games early in the season. That way you have something to build towards. You know, you, you realize that you're not perfect, and you still have more to more to get, I guess, per se, compared to just walking over your opponents every single week. Then you feel like you're on your high horse, and you might forget an opponent playing one of them trap games. Yeah, we've seen it. Damn near every season. Cakewalk through the season, then towards the end or conference title game, they the team struggles because they haven't faced adversity. So I'm with you. Give me the adversity early on when there's plenty of re- weeks to correct. I'm not even completely against the loss early in the season. If you're going to lose, it's better to lose early than late. So a tough game early in the season, I'm all for it. Absolutely. And then we'll move on to the Penn State Nittany Lions at the Fighting Illini of Illinois. We talked about it on our preview that picked uh, Penn State to cover. Man, it was uh, on pins and needles towards the end of the game, Illinois driving. the I got the spread for 15, 
and they won by 17. So I was just hoping and praying Illinois would not come away with a touchdown or a field goal. And luckily they did not. So they covered. Yeah. I think Penn state, uh, walked away pretty luckily here. Uh, you know, bad day for the Illinois quarterback, Luke Altamire threw four interceptions, you know, it, Penn state's defense is good, but, uh, to me more concerning is drew Waller did not look very good. He no, had, easily his worst game of his career statistically as well. We're used to seeing 70 plus completion percentage. He was under 50 today. Yeah, 16 to 33. Yeah, by far his you know, worst game. Granted, this is only what game three that he started. So mm-hmm. I mean it's again, he's basically a freshman. First, you know, first three games, we're gonna have these growing pains. So I know he's not a freshman, but I'm saying that because he's got this is only his third game. Um, you're going to go through this growing pains with him. I still think he's a heck of a quarterback. Yeah, he didn't turn the ball over, which is what we always want to see. And he had six totes for 24 on the ground. So showed off his mobility. I'm not too worried about Penn State. They put up 30 again. I There was some stat that popped up during the game. They like lead the nation in 30-plus point games consecutively they're on a streak right now so they're scoring but the run game I'm, I'm getting a little bit concerned the offensive line is extremely good but Nick Singleton and Catron Allen just really can't get loose uh, Singleton had 11 carries for 37 yards he did get into the end zone and then Catron had 13 for 54 and he also got into the end zone um, let's see Catron had a long of 18 so you take away that long run, we're looking at 12 for 36. Nick Singleton had a long of 16, so you're taking that away. He had 10 for 21. Right, two and three yards of carry, respectively, for both guys. That's, that is not good if you take away their longest, uh, longest runs. I'm right on the doorstep with you on their running game not looking good. It seems like they're splitting the load carries-wise fairly evenly. I think uh, Catron Allen had 13, Singleton had 11. You know, so not quite 50-50, but darn close. But I I know earlier in the season they were talking about Nick Singleton not looking for that home run ball as much or that home run hit as much and just taking what the defense gives you. Uh, to be honest, I almost would rather him go back to looking for them long, big runs now. Uh, I am a bit concerned because it almost seems like him and Katron Allen are basically in a roundabout way running the same style, same way. They're, you know, whereas Nick Singleton was the home run hitter and Katron Allen was more of the – when you're worn out chasing Nicholas Singleton, he's going to run you over, run through you. I wish they would go back to what they were last season because last season they were a deadly two-headed monster. I think they'll pick up the pace, but right now, so far, I'm not impressed. I think Catron's been the better back so far this season, especially from a statistics standpoint outside of touchdowns. And um, Nick Singleton added three receptions for 49 yards. So he got it done through the air a little bit. He was tied for the most receptions on the team. So that was good to see the receiving chops from him. But I'm not impressed with Illinois' defense, to be honest. I expected yeah. them to put up more points. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you as well. As well, I figured Penn State would put up close to 50, if not more. So uh, good on them for keeping the 30-point streak alive. But uh, 30 points is a little underwhelming, considering how good and how high I hold this Penn State team. Uh, good on Singleton leading the team and and receiving yards would have been sweet if he had a receiving touchdown, but you know, Drew Aller doesn't throw those this week. So 
maybe next week could be a little better, but I would like to see them uh, do more on the on the ground. I feel like I love Drew Aller, don't get me wrong, but I feel like they're changing up the offense a little too much and trying to make Drew Aller the sole focal point when, frankly, outside of Lambert Smith and Nick Singleton, they to me, I don't think they have any true deep threats or receiving threats. I'd agree with you there. Go back to old school football. Let the run game open up the pass. Yeah, you and they the might running backs to do it, and you have the line to do it. Right, and I anticipate that to happen when Big Ten play starts. So we might be jumping the gun a little bit here, but we'll be there. Hey, it is the first Big Ten game, so won't be surprised to see a lot of teams struggle. We saw OSU do it against Indiana. We've seen it already in the Big Ten. First games have been a struggle for most of them. Even the big boys. We'll see if Michigan does the same against a pretty good Rutgers team next week. It wouldn't surprise me with the way the Big Ten's been going overall right now. We'll move on to a game I know you're excited to talk about, LSU and Mississippi State. So I'll go ahead and let you take it away. And I just want to lead off with, you know, I was watching or listening to some people talk about Malik Neighbors not quite being being that guy. They don't think he's got the, the NFL potential, but, man, he went out there had himself a ball game along with Jaden Daniels. I'll, I'll lead it off with Jaden Daniels, man. He was 30 for 34, 361 and two touchdowns through the air. And he was also the leading rusher with two touchdowns. So he accounted for four touchdowns today. Honestly, uh, Jaden Daniels, this might've been the best game I've watching play, you know, accounted for four touchdowns, only had four incompletions and 360 yards. Great game. But I feel like a lot of that should be put on Malik neighbor's shoulders. He had, 13 receptions for 239 yards and two touchdowns, man. Uh, career game, I would assume. I don't think I've ever seen him put up numbers like that so far. So, Lake Neighbors just had himself a game, brother. He did, and I listened to that same exact show you're referring to, and they're really in their words here at this point. They did it against an SEC opponent. And Jaden Daniels also, like he said, he did the damn thing. He balled out. In a way, he really hasn't before, I'd say. I, I know you brought up his passing. Did you bring up his rushing numbers? Yeah, 15, 64, and two touchdowns. I, I did. I mean, overall, top to bottom, uh, career game for Jaden Daniels. If he can put a couple more of these together by the end of the season, again, we said this QB class is kind of open. He could see himself sneaking up there. Yeah, 400-plus total yards, four touchdowns. I don't believe he fumbled. No fumbles, no picks, no turnovers. Almost the perfect game. And he did have some draft buzz last year when people thought he would declare. I think people are going to be buzzing again here before too long. It's not his first good game of the year. He played well against Florida State. He's good. He's solid all around. He can obviously run the ball. I mean, we saw it last year. He ran a lot. He's doing it again. So he could be a Konami code quarterback that we all look for and love in fantasy, a la Maybe a Jalen Hurts mold where he needs to be developed for a season or two. But I think he's got some tools in the toolbox. Yeah, he definitely fits that Konami code as a quarterback, you know, being able to do both. Um, I'm more impressed with the way he's been able to pass the ball so far this season and not, you know, entirely been a relying on his rushing ability. Uh, this week being a big one, 30 34 again for 360 yards and two touchdowns. I'm extremely impressed with Jaden Daniels. So far this season and a lot this game. Let's see if I want to see if he can continue to do this again. Yeah, and I know some people are surprised at that given Keishon Boutte departed to the league, but we'll just call that addition by subtraction. 
they look like a better offense without him, to be honest with you. And Brian Thomas Jr. is stepping up big time this year. He had seven for 60 today. He's definitely their number two receiver, and he fits that role pretty good, I'd say. And we'll get to the freshman running back that I'm extremely high on. Yeah. Boy. Man, do you see that run? Yes, Caleb Jackson put somebody in the grave, man. He put him six feet below today. I so the I'm, only my only complaint about that play is I wish he wouldn't have stared him down and gotten hit as hard himself. But I mean, I can't blame the kid. He he planted somebody. It was a absolute human truck stick. It was it was awesome. Yeah, if you didn't see the play yourself, just go on Twitter slash X, search Caleb Jackson. It'll pop up right away, or you gotta do a little bit of scrolling. It'll be there. It was one of the best truck sticks I've seen in recent memory. It was kind of like what Mark Ingram did to that fan on the set of uh, Big Noon Kickoff. Was that wasn't that destroying he did on Big Noon Kickoff? I have no idea. I just saw the highlight, so I did not. Regardless, it looked like a almost like a Leonard Fournette type of you know same jersey truck stick. Man, he he destroyed the kid. I kind of feel bad. Yeah, so next time maybe he won't get in the way of a, a big guy coming downhill like that. He'll probably have a little PTSD. Yeah, I mean, what uh, Caleb Jackson's, what, 5'10", 215, 220? He's a big boy, too. Isn't yeah, he, he? he's built like a a he's, solid brick house. I'll yeah. just leave it there. Yeah, he's, he's a meat stick. And we'll move on to uh, Kansas State in Missouri. We previewed this game. Quite a bit last week, we thought Kansas State would dog walk them all the way to the end, and that was not the case. Mizzou, Mizzou <clears throat> excuse me, pulled out the victory. Their kicker hit a phenomenal 61-yarder to win the game. That is an SEC record. And, you know, field goal kickers, we see that all the time in the league, 55-plus yards, 60 fairly often, but not in college, man. We don't see that kind of leg in college. That was no. a phenomenal kick. I mean, that kid's got NFL future written all over him. I know that we don't care about him Debbie-wise or fantasy-wise, you know, but he, you can kick the ball 61 yards for a game-winning field goal through the uprights. You've got potential. Might be Roberto Aguayo. Is that his name? Potential there? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. He was a big bust in the league, so we don't want to put that bad omen on him. Well, I'm just saying, he was great in college, though. Great in college. He was. And uh, Luther Burden, he had – one hell of a day once again. I yeah. put him in my uh, inaugural week, post-week one, Debbie's buy, sells, and hold over on DestinationDebbie.com. And he is showing me maybe you might not want to sell him. Maybe not. But if you do, like I suggest, it's still a very good window for it. Yeah, Let's I mean, see, what did he do today? Seven for 114 and two touchdowns. He, he had himself a, a bit of a day as well. Just, not, just a little light work, apparently, for him nowadays. Yeah, not quite as big as Malik Neighbors, but, you know, he's done this twice this season. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you on the on the sell side of it, but uh, I agree that if you are selling him, the window is still open. It has not sh- shut, slammed, closed yet. So good news on that. But if yeah, he does this he's... three or four more times throughout the season, you might feel like, hey, maybe I should just hold on to him. Maybe, but also the good thing about selling him, maybe his value is going up because of the big games. That's entirely get, possible. Get a little too. bit bigger of a haul now. That's entirely possible too. But I, I'm personally, I like Luther Burden a lot. I would, I'd have a hard time selling him unless it was for a king's ransom. 
that that's what I'd be going for. Absolutely. At this point, anyway, you know, with the way he's producing. Yeah, but maybe it's the comparison that people most commonly do is Debo Samuel, and he kind of, he does remind me of Debo. I agree with that comparison, but I think he is more Debo like than a lot of people might want to admit in terms of the inconsistency and the up and down play. That's really what I'm mostly worried about is, is can he do this consistently throughout the whole season? His freshman year was just a blunder. But so far, shout out to him. He's playing great. And then Mizzou is 3-0, and I believe, and faced a very good Kansas State team today, and they're just chugging along. Yeah, I honestly didn't expect them to beat Kansas State. I know they were the home team, but I'm going to uh, kind of piggyback off your Luther, Luther Burthen Testament. Sorry, I can't speak right now. You got too much going on inside the head. Um, but he's, I feel like he's the type of player that, um, like, he's very hot and cold. He's either, ex, ex, you know, if he breaks one, one big one, he's going to have a hell of a game. But if he, you know, dink and dives and gets hit immediately and doesn't get something going on early in the game, it's going to be, you know, pretty much a wash for the game. So I, I agree with you on the, uh, the Debo Samuel comparison, although I think, uh, Debo is more of like a bull in a china shop where Luther Burden's a little bit more evasive and finesse. But uh, I, I'd still like Luther Burden, but I'm with you on the inconsistencies. I agree 100% on that. Absolutely. He is. He can make people miss. Debo can make you miss and run through you, more so run through you. Yeah. But Luther Burden can make you miss in a phone booth. We just got to see more of it, at least for me personally, to be all in on him. Move on to. Arguably the game of the day. I was on the edge of my seat up until about halfway through a third quarter when Georgia took a two-possession lead. Of course, Georgia played South Carolina in between the hedges today. They were dominated the first half. They were down 14-3 to at halftime. Got the ball back first in the second half. Went down, scored, and then scored again. They, from that point on, took the lead commanded the second half, and dominated. Their pass rush was pretty unstoppable. Spencer Rattler played a great first half, but he had a clean pocket most plays and was protected and had time. Second half, he just had no time. I know his stat line doesn't look pretty anymore. 22 of 42 for 256, a touchdown and two picks. I, I don't blame him one bit for this loss. There's nothing you can do when you don't have time especially against the Georgia Bulldogs, probably the best defense in the nation once again. And they got there in a hurry. He just did not have the time. And they also weren't getting open for him when he could extend the play either. There were plenty of times he rolled out and had to dump it out of bounds after, you know, five, six seconds of having the ball because nobody was open. Yeah, I mean, same as last year, the South Carolina Gamecock team is – solely going to rely on Spencer Rattler's shoulder to keep them in games and to win games. And unfortunately, Georgia's defense was just too tough in the second half. Like you said, the, the stat line doesn't look good at the end of the game. He had two interceptions, only only one touchdown pass, but he was getting no help from anybody in the second half. Uh, Georgia's just – they're the real deal, uh, at least on defense anyway. I'm, I'm not super sold on anybody besides the two tight ends yet. You know, Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp from a Debbie perspective, Carson Beck. Eh, I'm not I'm not quite sure, kind of sitting on the fence on him. But he's uh, gonna be coming back for next season for sure. He's yeah. definitely not ready for the NFL. He's 
probably not even ready for the SEC schedule coming up at this point. Yeah, he's, he's very green, of course. Two years behind Stetson Bennett, never playing. You would expect that in their offense, the wide receiving room, and the running back room banged up how it is. They're not the best. They're not at their best right now, that's for sure. Yeah, and then you talk about, you know, they lost uh, Donnie Mitchell last year, or I can't remember what he's called himself now. Adonet. Ad- no, I'll make it easy. We'll just call him T.D. Mitchell. That's all there he does. There we go. They lost T.D. Mitchell. Um, but, yeah, their, their wide receiver room's not very good. Again, kind of backtracking on the same sentiment we just said about the tight ends. You know, if it's not Brock Bowers or Oscar Delp, I'm not too enthused by anybody on this roster, Debbie-wise. And, of course, keep in mind they are without Debbie Darling, Lad McConkey. And I say that with a little bit of a serious tone now. I know I joked about him last season, but that offense has really struggled without him. Once they get him back, I think it'll be a completely different looking offense. And he'll be the number one easily from what it seems. And he's going to make that offense run smoothly, I would guess. Yeah, as weird as it is to say, Ladd McConkey being the wide receiver one for the Georgia Bulldogs, it's, I think that is a true uh, sentiment and statement. I know last year, like you said, joked about it. I remember the first time we said it, I was laughing on the show. So to it actually be reality and seem true, um, you know, George is missing him without a doubt. That, and I'm not too sure. They, what, Dewan Edwards had a good game. 20 for 118 and a rushing touchdown. Yeah, and that was ultimately one of the biggest downfalls for the Gamecocks is they had no run game. Yeah. Rattler had eight carries, but I'm sure about half of those were sacks. Yeah, had- one guy had one for negative one, five for ten, two for nine. The run game was just non-existent, and they didn't try to stick with it, which in the first half it was working through the air. And I believe uh, Antoine Juice Wells Jr. also was injured. And I'm not – I don't remember seeing him come back. He definitely didn't make an impact if he did come back. So that yeah, was also a detriment to the office, losing your number one receiver. Yeah, he only he had two for 32 in a receiving touchdown. So Spencer Rattler's only touchdown was by Wells Jr. So I'm, I'm right there with you. South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, just – they're going through it right now, man. Which being South Carolina and Spencer Rattler, we would expect. They played a pretty competitive game, so kudos to them for hanging in, hanging in there as long as they did, especially on the road. And we'll move on to the rather disappointing Alabama Crimson Tide. Tyler Buchner, <clears throat> excuse me, Tyler Buckner got the start today. Jalen Milrow hit the pine. He did not look good. He did not play good. The stats are not good. Ty Simpson got in the game. Similar story, but he played better than Buckner. But this offense is not looking good. They will depend on the run game 100%. Jason McClellan had 13 carries for 74, and Roy Dell Williams had 17 for 129 and a touchdown. And Ty Simpson did add one on the ground to go with his uh, negative 12 yards. So he was... Sacked to say the least. Yeah, I mean, uh, not a pretty game offensively for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, I don't. I get the the Jalen Milrow benching in a way, but I think he 
far and wide looks to be the best quarterback on the roster. Uh, he's he's going to throw picks, but he to me his rushing ability just is a totally different. He's just a playmaker for this Alabama offense when they don't have playmakers. Uh, it's we've been kind of uh, griping about it the last two years. This wide receiver room, you know, they have lots of big names and guys that we expect that should take over and be the next alpha. Uh, nobody really has. It seems like you know week after week it's always somebody else. So they're going to need a little bit more consistent QB play. And I feel like a, a rushing quarterback to, you know, compete in the SEC this year. It was a, a very sloppy game. I was not impressed at all by anything Alabama did outside of running the football with the running backs. Yeah, I agree with Milrow. He should be the guy. He's probably the best athlete on the team, period. He brings that dynamic playmaking that Buckner nor Ty Simpson just they don't have, period. You can't teach it. He should be the starter. I think he gives them the best chance to win. I said that back in the spring when they were all – well, before Buckner got there, it was Miller on Simpson. I said it back then. For these reasons, he needs to be the guy. The offense is not the Alabama offense we're used to seeing. I think I said they were going to lose two or three games this year. I really thought they were going to lose this one for a while. Yeah, I know that they were down 3-0 to zero for quite a while in the first half. I mean, I was – I don't know – impressed by South Florida or, you know, unimpressed by, by Alabama. Um, we, you and I talked a lot about Tyler Buckner last year, you know, when he was named the starter for Notre Dame, I wasn't a fan of him then still not really a fan of him now. Honestly, I think he's a less talented, less athletic Jalen Milrow. So, you know, having him start over Milrow in my opinion makes absolutely zero sense. If you're going to switch it up, you know, put Ty Simpson in the game, which they did. He did better than Buckner. I think Milrow is is the key for this team to not lose more than three games this year. Yeah, the hopes of them being SEC champions and going to the playoff, I think we can forget about that. I don't see it happening this year whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I would rather – I think that Georgia's obviously better. Tennessee's better. Uh, LSU's better. Mm-hmm. And those are just three. Am I, am I yeah. missing one? I feel like I'm missing an obvious one, but I'd Arkansas might be sneaky. Arkansas could be. Yeah. I, Ole I, Miss. I, I, yeah, Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, there's there's five right there. Three for sure, and two probably a little bit of a coin flip. So yeah. We'll move on. But speaking of uh, college football playoffs, on our next episode of the Gridiron Fantasy Show coming up this week, you and I are actually gonna kick off our weekly college football playoff rankings for our top six, as well as our top five Heisman every week. So I'm excited to put those rankings together and get that segment going. That'll be a fun time. And I'm always excited to talk about football with you. So, but I agree with you. It's different segments, new segments for us to talk about and, and BS about. I'm, I'm just excited, man. Oh, absolutely. Move on to Minnesota at North Carolina. The uh, final score was 31 to 13, but Minnesota hung with them for a majority of the game and played them tough on defense. Uh, Drake May, 29 to 40 for 414 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. 34 yards on the ground, no touchdowns. But how did you feel about Drake May's performance? Man, I, I feel like a middle of the road Big Ten defense, I'd say. 
I think he's really starting to feel the lack of presence from Devontae Walker. You're not having that true wide receiver one just to rely on in needed situations or just knowing that one guy's going to beat his man 90% of the time. I think that's the big reason why we see him throwing more interceptions now. Um, at least the running game, not like not numbers wise, but they they helped him out a little bit. Uh, both British Brooks and Amari Hampton both scored a touchdown. And neither of them really got rolling on the ground. Marion Hampton had 13 for 46 yards and a touchdown. British Brooks, I like to call him Britton Brooks, 11 carries, 25 yards and a touchdown. I think British Brooks had a uh, a truck as well. Not quite as impressive as Caleb Jackson earlier, but he he had himself one as well. Yeah, the run game didn't get going as it has the past two weeks, but they also stepped it up in competition on the defensive side of the ball. And then for wide receivers, he really locked on to Nate McCollum today. Yes. 15 receptions for 165. He had north of 20 targets, I believe. He was just May locked in on him. He was his guy. That's where he was going almost every single time with the ball, whether he was open or not. So he had a big game. I Drake May, I don't think he's going to be my quarterback, too, in the Debbie or the 24 class for long. And a Debbie wise, I've moved Drew Aller ahead of him. He's my QB two. May slid down to QB three. He's probably going to go a little bit further this week, to be honest. He seems it's so many shades of Sam Howe. Yeah. Backpacking, making mistakes, turning the ball over. I just think he's going to fall. That's the bad thing about having an incredible freshman season last year. You know, we expect him to take another step forward, and it seems like he's come back down to earth, unfortunately. That and look at who he lost, you know, last year. I'm I'm kind of going to re-say, you know, he sure he locked on to McCollum. Over half of his uh, half of his completions went to McCollum. He had 29 completions, 15 of them went to McCollum. So he locked in, but if he had Devontae Walker, I don't – I think that we'd be – singing a different tune entirely, but I'm with you. He, um, in the 24 class, I'd have him not at two anymore. So I'm, I'm right there with you on the slide. He hadn't slid from grace yet, but he's, he's coming down. Yeah. So the competition to the defense gets tougher. I think we're going to see more, more of it. He hasn't looked spectacular in any game this season to me. No, I don't think so either. And as they start playing more, uh, conference games, you know, playing tougher defenses, like you said, it's entirely possible for him to fall fall even further. Now, I'm just asking a question right now. What are the chances you think Drake May could return for the 24 season? Um, we know he loves Chapel Hill, North Carolina, family legacy. He was offered millions upon millions in NIL money to transfer to rumored Alabama and other big power schools that are better than UNC. He said no. He loves Chapel Hill. Say he does continue to struggle. He gets maybe a QB3, QB4 grade from NFL guys. Do you think there's a decent possibility he could come back? Uh, I, you know, I would like to think that it would be all about whether he's going to make, you know, money. The whole reason these guys are doing NIL deals and, you know, trying to go to the league is, is to make as much money as possible. I would think for him to come back, it would have to be like a weather perfect weather 
a perfect storm weather-wise. He would have to oh, get well, terrible. Before you go any further, I want you to keep in mind the 2025 quarterback class is not very good right now. We got Drew Aller, and then we got what? Kate Klubnick, Connor Wegman. He's easily better than those two. I, I, I think I get, at worst, he would probably end up as the QB2 in the 25 class at as of this moment. Yeah, but you know every year that we see a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere and takes over. I mean, you and I were hot on Shadur last year, but he's rocketed up people's boards so far this year. Who's to say that you know, there's always going to be one guy that just shoots up the board? Um, Malik Murphy. Right, he could transfer. Devin Brown could transfer. Kyle McCord could transfer. You know, it's it's hard to say. Um, Kyle McCord, we're going to talk about him next. Yeah, we will. We will. That, that'll, that'll probably be an interesting discussion. Um, but getting getting back to Drake May, I think it would have to be a perfect storm for him to stay. And I say that because if I'm trying to put myself in these shoes, if you could guarantee me, you know, thirty plus million dollars, I'd have a hell of a time turning that down. Um, the, the amount of money lost if he stayed for one year. It's kind of the same discussion in a way as Caleb Williams. Granted, it's a little different. Caleb Williams is going to be locked in QB1 this year or next year if he goes or stays at USC. But it's still an exponential amount of money that can be lost if he stays another year at North Carolina because it's another year in college and another year not making NFL money. So I'd say chase the money, big dog. If you weren't, If it wasn't about the money, you should have left North Carolina. Maybe. But we've seen, like I said, with Sam Howe, we saw his gigantic fall from grace due to the same exact reasons as Drake May. No weapons outside of him. Also, we've seen in the last couple of years, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howe, uh, Will Levis last year. We've seen these quarterbacks we think are going to be first-round picks slide down the board on draft day. Maybe it's a possibility that happens to Mr. May. And maybe with what's happened recently, he might say, I'm going to stick it out one more year, go to the weaker quarterback class, hopefully get my stock up, get Tez Walker back next season. I would assume if he still wants to continue playing football, he should be there. All the running backs are still going to be there besides uh, British Brooks. You're going to have Amari on Hampton still, George Petaway. You're going to have maybe Bryson Nesbitt That's if he doesn't clear. But just interesting question I was thinking of earlier when I was watching the game and just hmm, maybe he does stay. If we're considering Caleb Williams, might why not Drake May? No, I think it's a, a perfectly fair question. Um, but I, I get like being the QB2 in a weaker QB class, maybe that makes you feel better and maybe you'll get drafted higher. But then maybe NFL teams decide to shy away from quarterbacks outside of Drew Waller because they don't believe in any other ones, kind of like they did in the rookie draft last year or when Malik Willis's class. You know, they were talking about Malik Willis being a top two pick and then look at how he slid. So it's a lot of what ifs and possibilities. Yeah, unfortunately, we're just going to have to. Wait and see. And we'll move on to your Ohio State Buckeyes and the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. This was an interesting game for about 22 minutes of football. At the eight-minute mark of the second quarter, the Buckeyes went from, what, 14 to 10 to 
42 to 10. Yeah. Going into halftime. So they kicked in high gear in a hurry. Your boy, Kyle McCord, had a very efficient game. 19-23 for 318, three touchdowns, no picks. He did lose a fumble, I believe, one of them. Stat line's great. But he still looked like he was progressing through his reads rather slowly still to me, holding on to the ball too long at times, and just still minimal awareness in the pocket for the pass rushers. Either his I'm, awareness still isn't up there, or he's aware. He just doesn't give a damn and thinks he can still get it out. One of the two. I mean, if you look at the numbers from Kyle McCord, like you said, they, they look great. 19 to 23, so a plus 80% completion percentage. 318, three touchdowns, no picks. Again, I, like you said, he I think he did lose a fumble. I think he fumbled twice, but I think he lost one. Um, you know, that, that looks great. If you're just looking at a box score, it looks like he's got it together. I can tell you right now, he does not. He has, don't get me wrong, I would probably lock in on MHJ too because he's a beast. But I feel like he's he's just locking in on MHJ. Granted, it worked today. MHJ had himself a game. You know, five catches, 126 yards, one touchdown. You know, applaud yourself. Great game. But he, it seems like he locks into receiver before, like pre-snap. Which, if you are great at reading defenses pre-snap, you can do that. But I have a hard time believing that this guy that's in week three being a start or fourth game starting. I'm sorry. I think he started the game last year because of injury. Fourth game starting that he knows exactly where he's going with the ball pre-snap. I have a problem with that. Kyle McCord, he doesn't seem to read the defenses very fast. I'm with you on that. That seems to be an Ohio State problem. Might be a scheme problem. Might be just who we get at quarterback problem. Justin Fields did it. Dwayne Haskins did it. C.J. Stroud's done it. I feel like it's just watch, rinse, repeat. Kyle McCord's doing it too. Um, it hasn't hurt them significantly on the college football level because of who they have throwing, catching the ball. You know, these are NFL caliber wide receivers. They're they're great. You know, Marvin Harrison and Mecca had himself a game as well. Uh, four catches, fifty-seven yards, and two touchdowns. You know, two touchdowns. That's great. I'm man. I'm just. I'm not a fan of Kyle McCord. Like I wish I was. I bleed scarlet and gray. I was honestly, and I sent, I text me and you texted a little bit earlier. We were texting throughout the games, but I sent you uh, the Twitter video of Devin Brown's throw to Carnell Tate. And to me, he threw it from the far right hash and threw it to the front left corner of the end zone, just dropped it in the basket for Carnell Tate. Perfect throw. I mean, absolutely. Bravo. Um, th- it was best the throw of the day, would you say? Oh, best throw of the season from any of the quarterbacks at Ohio State. I mean, it was the best throw I've seen all year. Without a doubt, the best throw of the day. I, I get Kyle McCord is day's guy, but I think Devin Brown's better. I'm, I've planted my flag on that, and I'm going to stay there. I'm not going anywhere. At this point, we're three games in. Kyle McCord can't do nothing that's going to change my mind. Yeah, that, that throw was pretty. And Travion had the best game he's had in I don't know how long. 13 for 88 and two touchdowns, and he looked good running the ball. He hurdled a guy, powered into the end zone, made some people miss. He looked like freshman year Travion, finally. And he broke free and had a 21-yard run. And then the other ones were you know, chunk yards. He averaged 6.8 a carry. He looked good today. He's surging up 
2024 running back rankings because nobody else is taking over right now. He just might be the one so far. Yeah, the 24 class has been um, pretty underwhelming, to say the least, in my opinion, so far this year. Out The guys that we anticipate to, to have good seasons. Um, but Travion Henderson, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think he's maybe finally healthy. It looks like he did freshman year. Uh, explosive. You, you mentioned he hurdled a guy. I think he's hurdled three or four guys already this year. He just – he looks like he's got it again. And maybe that's, all again, offensive scheme or whatever. Uh, I don't think this offense is built around Travion touching the ball 20-plus times a game. They have too many mouths to feed. But I wouldn't be mad if we saw Travion Henderson get some of them 20-plus carry games. I think they're going to need it in Big Ten play because Kyle McCord can't read a defense to save his life. Yeah, he's really going to struggle against Michigan, Penn State. Just in general, he's not going to be going 70-plus, 80-plus completion percentage week in and week out. He's I know someone the, I would expect to return for next season at yeah, this point. Absolutely. I was going to uh, go back a little bit, like you said, against the defenses like uh, – Marvin Harrison's big touchdown catch today, he ran a simple slant or simple post route and the safety was underneath and Marvin Harrison ran by the cornerback and it was, it was a busted play. You're not going to see those happens again, your Penn States and your Michigans. You're not going to get those wide open 60 plus yard passing touchdowns. It's those aren't there. They don't happen. So um, I'm just, I'm just not a Kyle McCord fan. I'm not. And I'm, beating that same drum with you. Kyle McCord needs to come back a year if he wants to have a shot at the NFL level. He's he's to me he's just not it. And I think it's it's mostly brains. I just don't think he's got it between the between the ears, man. He might have it, but he's not making the right reads. No, he's not. But of course he's pretty much a freshman yeah, he with is. his playing experience, but we'll see what happens with him. If anybody can get him out of the funk and look him good, it is Ryan Day, unfortunately, to say for me. Yeah, Ryan Day is a bit of a he's a he's a QB guy, you know. So we'll, we'll we'll see. And now on to the superstar receiver in this game, Malachi Corley. Eight for eighty-eight and a touchdown. I'm sure a lot of people were impressed by him today. A lot of people are probably really seeing him play for the first time today. But he looked good against Denzel Burke, the bigger corners than him, getting pressed, being physical. He looked good today. He looked like he could make it in the, against these high-talented corners. I think he looked good. I think it was a good test for him, absolutely. Um, personally, I'm not super big on Denzel Burke. I don't think he's honestly anything special. And, you know, maybe he'll change my mind as the course the season goes on. But up until this point, I feel like it was not necessarily Jeff Akuda all over again because Akuda got a lot of DPIs, but just not super impressed. I don't, I don't feel like he's like a sauce gardener that just locks down one side of the field. But I think he, I felt he fared well. You know, he scored the only touchdown for Western Kentucky. You know, bravo to him. He ran a multitude of different routes. He, I'd take a shot on him, absolutely. And he is a more so a yak guy, so we love that. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of Brandon Ayuk. Not as fast, but similar body type, similar play style. If I had to make a comp, it would probably be Brandon Ayuk. And I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Yeah, with the way Ayuk's turning out to be, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm here for it. 
We'll move on to our last completed game of the day. The Washington Huskies at the Mel Tucker list. Little brother, Michigan State Spartans. Mm. Michael Penix, Mike, damn it. Michael Penix Jr. had another day that he always has. 473 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, only eight incompletions. You might be able to find him in my Heisman rankings next week. He's just putting up the numbers, and he's spreading it around to his receivers. Jalen McMillan, four for 96. Roma Dunze, eight for 180. Surprised he didn't have a touchdown. No, three of them went to Jake Westover. He had four catches, three of them were touchdowns for 37 yards. The other went to a very deep sleeper wide receiver in my book, uh, Jalen Polk, five for 118 and the, the touchdown. He's a 2024 eligible, I believe, or 25. He's obviously the wide receiver three. He's the third wheel, but he is not far behind McMillan or Dunze. I might even go as far to say I like him over McMillan at this point. I think we'll see him in the NFL. Uh, Jalen Polk looks like he's a sophomore, so he's 25 eligible. Um, but, yeah, he, he looks to be the real deal, brother, absolutely. Uh, you know, Michael Penix Jr., they're the leading passing offense in the nation. Showed it again, 473 yards, I believe, on yeah, 473, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I'm I'm with you. I mean, this this wasn't even a game. Michigan State suspending their coach midway through the week. Kind of figured it wouldn't be a very great game, but you know, they just absolutely manhandled the Spartans. Michael Penix, he's going to be in my rankings as well for for Heisman. So I'm with you. Yep, shoot up them rankings, Michael Penix Jr. Right ahead, buddy. You deserve it after the career you've had and injuries he's went through. So I'm glad to see he's. Chugging right along. If he gets a fully healthy season this year, he has the potential to be a first-round pick. At worst, second, third, hit and hooker type of range. And like I, said, I don't know about – I was going to say, I don't know about you, but, like, I always root for the lefty quarterbacks. We, we don't see them very often, you know. And when we do, though, it seems like they're great. Uh, Michael Vick, I'm not saying he is Michael Vick, but I'd love to see Michael Penix go in there and, and – you know, be dev or dynasty relevant. Yeah, I'd say the Michael Vick comparison stops right after Michael. Yes, that's as far as it goes. And the I mean, I was this. I was going to say Tim Tebow, but Tebow didn't do anything in NFL either, other than but he beat this. Was it the Steelers, Steelers in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, and in, in overtime. But other than that, I mean, didn't really do much. Yeah, we'll get on to the couple of. Games that are currently on right now that have not been completed yet. Uh, our Gridiron Fantasy Show Game of the Week. We had Tennessee at Florida. It's not looking like the Game of the Week whatsoever. Uh, Florida's up 26-7. to 7. I was calling for Joe Milton to have a huge game. And he's he's Joe Miltoning it. 8 of 12 for 92, a touchdown, and finally threw an interception in a Tennessee uniform. Mm, hate to see it. So it's not looking pretty for the volunteers right now. They're just getting mollywopped right now. Graham Mertz is outplaying him. 17-20 for 146 and a touchdown. Trevor Etienne's having himself yeah, a game. Our 11, boy. Carries, 11 carries, 119 and a touchdown. 
finally nice to see that kid having a game. Yep, it's nice to see him tell Montreal Johnson Jr. that this is my backfield. That's right. That's what we've been waiting on the whole season. Absolutely, and he's averaging 10 a carry. That's great. Yeah, you can't beat that. First down every time he touches the ball. You got to ride him. Not against a top top 10, top 12 team? Yeah. It's not looking pretty. Maybe they can come back. We've seen this offense be electrifying previously, but right now they are not. Mm. I've got some bad news about your team, buddy. Uh, yep, we're going to talk about Texas first. They are playing Wyoming. They're down 7-3 to three currently. Quinn Ewers, 4 of 9 for 38. Not looking good. Jadon Blue has got two carries. Cedric Baxter Jr. hasn't touched the field yet. Uh, T.D. Mitchell is the leading re- leading receiver with two catches right now. But the Miami Cowboys are giving the Longhorns a battle for right now. And luckily, it's it's only the end of the first quarter, so there's plenty of football left still, luckily. Yeah, we will see how long that lasts. And then speaking of a battle, my Michigan Wolverines up 14-6 to currently, almost halftime it looks like. And J.J. McCarthy. Oh, man. If you didn't catch my article that came out yesterday, my weekly buy, sell, and hold on the website, I had J.J. as my buy. Even more so now, you might get him at a discount. (laughs) Right. You hate to see that. Two incompletions and they're both interceptions. That's just the Michigan quarterback way, my friend. But 85 yards on five completions. Hopefully he's pushing the ball downfield, but Blake Corum. He eight of eighty six and a touchdown. He is back, baby. And your Ro- Roman Wilson would have hit. Roman Wilson hit, buddy. Yeah, damn, Drew Aller couldn't give me twenty completions today. Man, it would have hit. Roman what? Wilson too for forty two and a touchdown. I think you. Got, it won't be. This game won't be a problem. But JJ's just, you know, JJ with Mil- Milton. They're doing what the Michigan quarterbacks do, man. That's. He's a gunslinger. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with it, but he's obviously, those are his only two mistakes of the game. So hopefully he doesn't toss another one out there. That would not be good to see right before Big Ten play. But Coach Harbaugh will be back next week. So that could yep. be a saving grace after this bad game. Yeah, he'll get him He'll get him back into shape, you know, make him run some laps, I'm sure, for the two interceptions. But, you know, the way JJ's been playing, I'm not holding those two interceptions over his head. He's looked great so far this year. I think he does have that gunslinger mentality. You're going to have to live with those, trying to force the ball and make plays that, you know, him and maybe two or three other guys can make. You know, it's it's football, man. It happens. It does. Can't be perfect every week. But same as what we said earlier, I'd rather have it now than later in the season. Yeah. Always better to have your mistakes early. Yeah, check out my article that will be coming up this week, and you'll see another Michigan player on that list for another buy. Ooh, is it? Yeah. I know who it is, I bet. We we touched on the, the position earlier in the class. So it will – he's back, baby. He is back. He's back. That's all we got for the games. I just want to touch on Cam Ward. It was only Northern Colorado. They were 
46 and a half point favorites, I believe, and the over-under was set at 54 and a half. Uh, they did not cover. They only won 64 to 21, so boo them. Cam Ward, 20 of 26 for 324 passing yards and four touchdowns. Added another 12 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So he is balling out. This new offense, getting out from under his previous head coach, Incarnate Word, and OC from last year is really working out for him. Yeah, I think this is the, the season that we won for him last year. This all this scheme just seems to fit him so much better. Uh, big reason why I drafted him in multiple places here in the last week. And so, good for him. He is, I'd, I'd say, starting to emerge and break out. Yes. Make some believers out of the doubters. Might be a, oh, maybe, maybe a little bit. That's too much hype, but maybe Anthony Richardson esque hype train coming. Just maybe. He has the potential for it. We're seeing a lot with his legs. He's pushing the ball downfield. They're really opening up for him. I'm loving it. I think them starting off three and three and oh is huge. If they have a good season, win a bowl game, I have no reason to believe that it's not because of him. And that's just going to drive his stock way up. I'm a believer. We like Cam Ward. But that's all we got for this week on the show. Like I said, check out my recent Debbie Buys, Sells, and Hold on the website that came out yesterday on Friday. Look forward to my article next week. Going to be bringing – I've done three the past two weeks. I'm going to up it to at least five, add in a couple extra players and some more actionable advice. So make sure you check that out and – Subscribe to DestinationDebbie.com as well as the Patreon at Patreon.com slash AllGas. And this was a pretty good week of football. Looking forward to next week even more so with more conference clashes, bigger games, bigger matchups. So it's going to be a good one. So the games that are not completed yet or have not started, Colorado, Colorado State, we will recap that on our next Debbie episode on the Gridiron Fantasy Show when we do our week four preview as well. So catch that one for the tail end of the recap and our full preview. And that's all I got. So we'll put a bow on this one. And thank you guys for listening. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Gump7285. Derek is D underscore Cook93. And that is spelled K-O-C-H. And enjoy the rest of your college football Saturday evening. And enjoy NFL Sunday. And we'll see you again on the next one. Thanks. See you.